out your message notes. Every one of you should have received message notes when you walked in. We print these so that you can take the message with you when you go home. And so there's lots of blanks, and you'll see them flash up on the screen. And I just encourage you today, as we launch into a brand new series, The Blessed Life, make sure you're taking notes, and then go back and read the scriptures that we share this morning. Go back and let the message just marinate in your heart. I'm excited about this series uh, because it is, in my opinion, one of the series that I believe will break some wrong thoughts in our lives. It's going to be a paradigm shift for many of us. Uh, for a lot of people, when you talk about giving and finances and the blessings of God, we have a wrong perspective of what that looks like. And so throughout this series of The Blessed Life, I'm going to just exposit God's Word and talk through what it means to be blessed, what it means to live the life that God's called us to live, and how we should interact with money and resources and in our life, how we can have God's view in our life life that permeates what we do, the way we say it, and how we live. And so it's really grabbing a hold of God's system, God's ways, God's principles, and applying them to our life. Because so many times we can come out of the world. God touches us. We have a born-again experience. We're saved. But if we're not careful, we will operate in this new life with the old principles, the old way that we used to do things. And God has a better way. Can I get an Amen. I mean, God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so for us, it's just, God, let your word just saturate in my heart and in my mind and change me where I need to be changed. And as we talk about this, and today in the Blessed Life series, we're talking about it's all about the heart. We need to get God's perspective. We need to know and understand that God's very nature is that he is a giver. How many know God is a giver? That that is his nature to give. And John 3.16, which is a verse that many of us know, declares the nature of God in such a powerful way. It says, for God so loved, everybody say loved, that he, that he gave. That God's love for us, God's love for humanity, caused inside of him the ability to give his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So think about the nature of God, that he loves us so much, he gave the most precious gift he had to this world. So that you and I might experience salvation. And let me just let you know that at the end of this service, there are some of you here sitting here right now. Today you thought you were going to hear a message entitled The Blessed Life about generosity. But God brought you here because he wants to save you. To receive his free gift of salvation. And at the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to God's invitation for salvation. But we got to know this, that God's a giver. Everybody say God's a giver. God is generous. So when we understand the nature of God, who God is, that he loves us so much, and in that love it caused him to give, what we've got to know is that's the character of God, and I need to receive that character as well. And in the Bible, he talks about giving a lot. In fact, 921 times he mentions give in the Bible. It's mentioned more than any other subject in the Bible. It's two times more than heaven and hell combined. Three times more than the topic of love. Seven times more than the topic of prayer. Eight times more than belief. 
17 of the 38 parables have to do with giving, generosity, blessings. Givings, uh, 15% of God's word deals with that as well. I mean, no, this is a topic that God is not mute about. That he speaks a lot of it. Why? Because he wants us to have his perspective. In fact, 2,350 verses talk about it. I mean, that's a lot of verses where God is talking about giving and generosity. And what we find out when we study the Word of God, when we read the Scriptures, is that when we're talking about the blessed life, when we're talking about generosity, when we're talking about giving, God's not really talking about money at all. That, that yes, there is currency that is exchanged. And yes, for us, a lot of times when we think of giving and generosity, we think of dollars. What matters to God is not the money that we have or we give or we don't give. It's all about the heart. That for God, it's really, it's, it's really a heart issue. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Matthew 6, 21. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's not really about the money. It's about the heart. Where's your heart? Who's got your heart? It's a heart issue. And, you know, when we talk about the heart, I heard a story the other day about a man who was having heart problems, and he goes to the heart doctor, and uh, the heart doctor says, listen, you've got to have a heart transplant. Now, this man was rich, and he said, money's no object. Would I be able to buy a heart today? Do you have any available? The doctor said, listen, yeah, I, I've got a heart. I've got three hearts that are available right now. He said, the first one is from an 18-year-old. And this 18-year-old, he was a non-smoking athletic swimmer. He died tragically when he hit his head on the swimming pool. And he said, that heart will cost you $100,000. He said, okay. Doctor said, I got a second heart. He is actually from a marathon runner. He's 25 years of age. He was healthy. He ate good. But he got hit by a bus. His heart is $150,000. He said, okay. He said, but I got this last heart. Now, this guy, he was a heavy drinker. He loved to smoke cigars, ate steaks all the time. His heart is half a million dollars. The guy said to the doctor, listen, he lived a terrible life. Why in the world is his heart so much more expensive? The doctor said he was a lawyer. He's never used his. <laughs> we love lawyers. We love lawyers. Got lots of friends that are lawyers. But that was funny. I don't care what you say. <laughs> It's all about the heart, right? It's all about the heart for each and every one of us. And I want to look at two passages of scriptures this morning. I mean, it's okay to laugh in church. Okay, loosen up. You got to talk back to me. Come on, laugh. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to go into Luke chapter 6, verse 37. And then we're going to go into Deuteronomy chapter 15. And we're going to spend our time in these two places this morning. Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38. Talking about the heart issue. Generosity. That God wants us to be generous as people. So look here, it says in verse 37, Judge not, and you're not going to be judged. Condemn not, and you're not going to be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So right here, he is dealing with issues and matters of the heart. He's saying, listen, if you condemn people, or if you don't condemn, you're not going to be condemned. When you forgive, you're going to be forgiven much. Look at what he says in verse 38. He says, give. Everybody say give. give. Say it again. Say give. And it will be given to you, good measure, 
pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So previously, he's talking here about judgment. He's talking about condemnation. He's talking about forgiveness. What is he saying? He's saying all these issues are issues of the heart. So when you judge someone, when you judge them, judgment's coming back to you pressed down, shaken together, and running over. When you forgive others, forgiveness is going to come back to you pressed down, shaking together and running over. When you allow people to give grace to people, hey, you're not perfect, I'm going to give you grace. Grace will come back to you. Love will come back to you. It's a principle of God that whatever we give, we're going to get back, and it's going to be pressed down, shaking together and running over. Now, to us, we may think, okay, I don't really understand that part of it. I mean, I recognize I'm going to get it back, but here, this would have been an agricultural picture for the people. They would have known that when people harvest a field, there's actually two types of people that harvest a field in Jesus' day. There were workers, and then there were poor people. You with me? Workers would harvest the entire field. However, they, were, they would leave the corners of the field that they were harvesting so that the poor people, after they harvested, could come back and glean from the corners of the field. So it was a sense of generosity from the landowners. And so workers, when they would go into the harvest and they would fill their baskets, how many have ever seen you fill your basket up? If I'm getting paid for it, I'm going to do whatever is required. I mean, no, you don't do too much more because that basket is heavy. Well, I ain't going to work too hard, right? I'm going to fill it up. I'm going to get my wage, and I'm going to give the landowner whatever is his. But now if you are poor, and you know the only food you might get is in the corners of this field, how many know you got that same basket, but you're going to fill it up a little bit differently? It's an act of generosity, and so I ain't getting paid to fill this basket up. I'm filling this basket up because I'm poor and I don't have anything else. So to them, when Jesus was talking about it, they would have envisioned a poor person going to the corners and saying, listen, I'm not just going to fill it up to the top and just barely make it. I'm going to press down, shaking together, and I'm going to let it keep running over. Like when I leave, that thing's going to be just falling out because it's so much. So imagine what he's saying here. When you forgive people, that same forgiveness will be given back to you in the same measure. When you condemn people, that's the same condemnation that will be brought back to you. And so here it's a matter of the heart. And he says when you give, so you give, give what? Give love, give grace, give resources, whatever it is. God's going to reward you back whatever it is that you gave. You with me? So whatever you give, you're going to get more back. Now go into Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7 through 15. We're going to spend the rest of the morning here, and I want to share with you some thoughts that I really believe are going to help you in your life, that we would live a blessed life, that our heart would be right before God. Now in this, let me set the backdrop. Israelites, they arrived in the promised land. So they've just come out of slavery. They have arrived in the promised land. And God is instructing them on how to possess this promised land. So he gave it to them. This is what I want you to do. I want you to have this kind of a heart to help people who are in need, to help those who are poor. And so he's really trying to coach them. Listen, don't forget, I want you, this is, this is my heart for my people. I want you to grab a hold of my heart and how I think about living in this life. It says in verse 7, 
Now, this is the Message Bible, and this is really broken down in just modern-day English. And if you've never read the Message Bible, I encourage you to do so. It's really, really beautiful in the way they exposit the Word of God. He says in verse 7, When you happen on someone who is in trouble or needs help among your people with whom you live in this land that God your God has given to you, don't look the other way pretending that you don't see them. So in other words, someone's in trouble. Don't just pass by and say, no, no, I, I didn't see them. No, he's saying, listen, if someone's in trouble, someone needs help, someone's poor, someone's destitute out there. He says, listen, don't just pretend you didn't see them. Keep a tight and don't keep a tight grip on your purse. So in other words, uh, yeah, they always ask him for something. No, no, no. He said, don't do that. Don't hold your purse tightly. He said, no, look at him. Open your purse, lend whatever and as much as he needs. So God is telling his people, listen, I want you to be generous. Just as I was generous with you, I want you to go out and be generous to other people. And he goes on. He says, don't count the costs. Don't listen to that selfish voice saying it's almost the seventh year, the year that all the debts are canceled. Now, what he's talking about was back in these days, they had a what they called the year of release. That on the seventh year, if you were a slave, you were, you were set free. If you had debt, all your debt would be wiped out. And so it was called the year of release. And he's saying, listen, if someone comes to you and they're in need, they're destitute, they're poor, and you see them and you can help them, don't say, well, listen, it's the fifth year, sixth month, the debt's going to be canceled, they'll never be able to pay me back. He says, no, 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 I don't want you to have that stinking thinking because they're not your source, I'm your source. I want you to be generous to everybody regardless of what you can or cannot get back from them. And he's saying, listen, there is a selfish voice that is in the inside of each and every one of us. And he's saying, I don't want you to act like that. You're going into the promised land. I want you to be generous. Everybody say, be generous. generous. Say it louder. Be generous. be generous. He goes on in verse 9. He says, now don't turn aside and leave your needy neighbor in the lurch. Refusing to help him, he'll call God's attention to you and to your blatant sin. So he's saying, listen, don't do what's best just for you. Don't be selfish. Why? Because of this, selfishness prevents us from giving. If you're taking notes, selfishness prevents us from giving. Anybody ever been selfish? Anybody ever been selfish? So, so can I tell you a story that happened this last week? And, you know, when we talk about things that are funny, a lot of times I'll use my kids as an example. And, oh, I got one all by myself. Got a story to tell you. Last week, Phyllis and I, we were in California, and there were about 1,200 other church planners and pastors. We went to the ARC conference, which is our big family as a church. We're part of the ARC and so we're up there hanging out with some friends, got there a day early. And so Monday, we're out and about just cruising around and go off to the coast. And we thought, well, we'll go have a nice dinner before the conference starts. And so me and Phyllis and another couple, we go down to this really nice restaurant that's on the coast. And we're looking and walking by and we see this place. They've got a sale. Their sale is it's $10 for a lobster. How I many you know that's a, whoa, that's a like, man, come on, thank you, Jesus. I, I love lobster. And so $10 for a pound of lobster. They got a lobster that's a pound. And so we said, well, that's got to be our place. We're going to go out and have some seafood. And we sit down. And the funny thing is I'm the only one that got lobster. I, I'm sitting down and we're talking. And Phyllis and I, husbands, wives, you know how this goes. And 
I'm like, man, I'm excited about lobster. I mean, this, this is going to be really amazing. They probably just caught it right there on the coast. And this ain't no red lobster lobster. This is like real lobster. And so it's, it's amazing. We're sitting down, and they're only $10. And Phyllis and I are talking about, I'm, like, I'm going to get the lobster. She said, well, I think I'm going to get the steak. I said, okay, well, that, well, that's awesome. I said, now, listen, if you, you know, do you want to get a lobster? Like, we can get a lobster. They're only $10. Like, I can afford a lobster for you tonight. Come on, we big. Woo! $10. And so we're talking back. No, 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 I just want a steak. Okay, now, listen, I really want my lobster. Okay, so we're going back and forth, and no, no, I just want a steak, and we make the order, and everybody gets all this food, and a lobster comes out, and I'm telling you, it is beautiful. It has been steamed perfectly. They set it down right in front of me, and, you know, they got the tail, and they got the claws, and you, you start to dive in. Everybody starts diving into their food, and I grab the crackers, and I'm not going to eat the tail because the tail's the best part. You know what I'm talking about? I'm going to get these claws and just eat the claw meat first, so I start to pop it and pull a piece of claw meat out and lo and behold across me comes a fork phyllis grabs the lobster tail with her fork and and you know i i, I just my thought was i know you didn't I, I know you ain't gonna grab this tail after i tried to convince you to buy the lobster and so this i'm looking back at this and it's like and I'm watching, and I'm looking at my plate, and I'm looking at her. And then all of a sudden, not, not what I thought, what I said, well, whoa, 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 whoa. that's the best part. And she looks like stunned at me. And, 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 and I know she's thinking, I'm going to kill you. I am worth more than this lobster tail. And in that split moment, I caught myself, and you know, it was funny, the couple, they're all laughing, my face is red, and needless to say, I slept on the couch that night in California. <laughs> but my point is this, in that moment, a lobster tail, for me on the inside, was more important than giving something to my bride, my rib, the one I love. Why? Because there's something on the inside of us that is selfish, and that selfishness prevents us from giving to others. And it's on the inside of us, and we've got to know if we're going to live a generous life, whether it's a lobster tail, whether it's finances, whether it's clothing, whatever it is in our life, when we give, the very thing that's going to attack our giving is selfishness on the inside. Selfishness on the inside. It prevents us from giving when God really wants us to be generous. It's His nature that He would have us give to the world around us. Verse 10, He says, Give freely and spontaneously. Give freely. See, he's talking to those people. Listen, when you take this possession of this land and you go into this promised land, I want you to give freely and spontaneously. I don't want you to have a stingy heart. I want you to be generous. Anybody know somebody that's stingy? Don't, don't be poking your husband. You know who somebody's stingy. So, so look, I want you to look at this. King James Version actually says it in a very unique way. In verse 10, it says it this way. He says, you shall surely give to him... And your heart should not be grieved when you do. So he's saying stingy. And then the King James Version says grief. And so it's kind of shocking that when God is talking about giving, he actually indicates that our hearts have to fight grief after we give. Now, I don't know about you. How many have ever lost a loved one? 
I've lost a loved one, friends that have passed away, I believe, before their time, and it's tragic. And so when you think about the word grief, you would think, well, we're talking about the loss of a loved one. We're talking about someone that we're never going to be able to see again. And here what we see is that he's actually talking about grief when we give, that as we give, we've got to be careful because grief attempts to consume us after we give. That there is a sense of loss that on the inside of us, we have given what we thought we were supposed to give or given what we wanted to give. And then in this moment, all of a sudden, after we've given it, there is this sense of grief that begins to attack our hearts. I remember a couple of years ago, I saw this played out like never before. My son, Carson, is sitting down here in the front row and uh, we were talking about tithing and I had my kids were with us and... Back then, we had a giving center in my house, and you know, it, we just it was there, and we thought, man, this is a great opportunity to teach our kids how to give. And so, for us, our kids, they get paid commission. They do some chores that are family chores, and then they do some chores that are commission based. And what that means is that I, I work for those uh, that income and that money. And so, for them, that day, Carson had earned ten dollars. And we're talking through this tithing principle, which tithing is where we give God the first 10%. We realize that God gave us what we, uh, our strength, God gave us our intellect, God gave us all. And so for us, he entrusted us with the money. We give him back the first 10% of what he gives us. And so I'm teaching them this principle. Carson pulls out a giving envelope, and we go and fill it out and puts a dollar and tithe, and we, we're excited, and you know my kids follow suit. We put it all in the giving center. We come around, and we're praying, God bless this money. God bless uh, what we have given. We recognize that it's a hard issue, and you know we're doing this whole prayer deal, and Carson's like, praise him, Lord, multiply, multiply. And, and so, that's a joke. He didn't do that, but I know in his heart he was thinking it. And so we gave it, and I didn't think anything of it. I go on to work, and Phyllis calls me a little bit later, and she says, hey, listen, you're never going to believe uh, what Carson did. And I'm thinking, okay, is he in trouble? Like, did he, you know, she said, no, no, you know, we gave that money this morning to the giving center. I said, yeah, man, I'm so proud of him. She said, yeah, but when we were outside, Carson got in your desk. He got the keys to the giving center, went to the giving center, unlocked it, took out his ties, and he put it back in his wallet. But isn't it interesting that even as a young kid, nobody had to teach him the remorse or the grief that comes with giving, that he would go back into the giving center and pull it back out. It's something that's on the inside of us. But I would tell you this, the reason we have grief, the reason we have remorse is because we don't have the right perspective on money. We don't have the right perspective on whatever it is that we gave. See, we see the giving as a loss instead of an investment into eternity. That in God's kingdom, it's an investment into his kingdom. It's not that we give something and we lose it. When we give it, now it's in the right place where God can multiply it, where God can add increase, where God can bless us. Why? Because we gave to him what he's asked for us to give. Y'all awfully quiet this morning. You with me? So the grief comes... Because there is remorse. And what we have to understand is that in our life, it's really not about what we're losing. It's about what we gain through obedience in Christ. Look, he goes on into verse 10. 
says the way you handle matters like this triggers God. What matters like what? Like you're generous. Like you're just, you're generous and you're doing what God has asked you to do. It says you're God's blessing everything that you do. All your work and all your ventures. So your giving, let me say it like this, unlocks God's favor in your life. Your giving unlocks God's favor in your life. He didn't just say, listen, whatever you give, that's all you're going to get back. No, no. He said in everything you do, in every aspect of your life, that means this, when I give, whether it's resources or money, whether it's time, whether it's love, whether it's forgiveness, that as I'm obeying God, as I'm living in a generous way, that God would have me do it, I'm going to receive the blessing of God in every area of my life. That means my marriage is going to be blessed. That means my kids are going to be blessed. That means my work is going to be blessed. That means Everything I put my hands to do is blessed. He said every area of your life. Generosity is the key. It unlocks God's favor in our life. Proverbs 22.9. He says the generous will themselves be blessed for they share their food with the poor. You're going to be blessed. Look at Proverbs 19.17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. I mean, it's a good day when God repays us for what we have given. I I look at it like this. See, Carson's mentality and my mentality when I was growing up, before I learned how to be generous, was that all I have was in my hand. And as I give it, that's all I've got. But it doesn't really work like that in God's kingdom. See, you've got to understand this. We do not have to be subject to the world's economy. I don't care what Wall Street does. I don't care what happens in this region. I don't live in this world's economy. I live in God's economy. That means his kingdom, his ways, his principles, they supersede the natural. So we don't have to be subject to what's happening around us. What we have to do is be obedient to his kingdom and to his principles. And I look at it like this. Whatever I have in my, in my hands, let's just use money as an example, it's a seed. Everybody say seed. So I can eat the seed and be full and that's all I get. Or I can plant the seed and reap a harvest of what I planted. Look at an apple. You can split an apple open and get the apple seed. Now in that seed, if I plant it in the ground, I don't just get back an apple seed. I don't just get back an apple. I get back a tree full of apples and all of those apples have seeds. It's multiplied in our life. Some of you have been saying, God, I don't know how to make it. I hadn't been able to make it. What's going on? I feel like there's lack. I would tell you this. I wonder if you've been eating the seed. Sometimes when we are in position, and I've been there, where you don't have enough, it's so easy to say, well, if I had more, I would give. No, no, that's not God's system. That's the world's system. God's system says, trust me, obey me, and then I will repay you. See, some of you are looking to your employer as your source. Can I tell you, your employer is not your source. Wherever you get your paycheck, that's not your source. The government is not your source. We serve a great God, and if we listen and obey, he will provide every need. He will supply everything that we need in our life so we got to stop eating the seed that God has provided for us to plant so we get the right perspective grief will not be able to consume us after we give continue to read in verse 11 there are always going to be poor and needy people among you so I command you always be generous open purse and hands give to your neighbors in trouble your poor and the hurting neighbors so God's blessed us 
He's asking us to share our blessing with others. But the truth is this, we got to choose to live a generous life. It's a choice that you and I have to make. And it's interesting here, he actually says, I command you to be generous. I command you to be generous. As your pastor, let me tell you this, I command this church to be a generous church. I command you on the inside to respond to God's goodness and greatness. Someone say, oh, well, it's all about money. No, 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 babe, we don't even pass offering plates in buckets. No, no, no. I'm just telling you what I felt like the Lord spoke to me this morning, that this church will be an example church, that this church will be a generous church. My desire, and you can believe with me, is that we're going to give a million dollars back into the cities of Richmond and Rosenberg. I just believe it. I actually text Pastor Brian this last week. He was at a banquet, and he said, you know, he was talking about giving, and he was, and I just texted him back. I said, man, I'm telling you, within 10 years, we're going to give a million dollars back into this city. I just believe it. Why? Because God is raising up a church that will do it the way he wants us to do it. Look at verse 12 through 15. If a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman was sold to you and has served you for six years, in the seventh year, you must set him or her free, released into a free life. So think about this. This is the baseline. They've been a slave. The year of release has taken place. He's saying, listen, I want you to release the, free, or the slave and let them be free. Now, if that was all he said, that would be the baseline. That's awesome. It's great. But how many know God is a greater God? He's bigger than that. It's never just the baseline. It's never just good enough. It's never just the status quo. He goes on and he tells them, listen, and when you set him free, as if that wasn't enough, When you set them free, don't send them off empty-handed. Provide them with some animals, plenty of bread and wine and oil. Load them up with provisions from all the blessings which God your God has blessed you. So this is what I would tell you. There should be a portion of all that you receive in your life that's going out to bless others. That there ought to be this thing on the inside that says, God, you have blessed me. And because you blessed me, I'm going to bless others. Why? Because God's our source. That God, you are the one that gave me strength and wisdom and, and grace to make what it is that I make, to have what it is that I have. Go on to verse 15. It says, don't for a minute forget that you were once slaves in Egypt and God, your God, redeemed you from that slave world. For that reason, this day, I command you to do this. I command you to this. So we got to know this generosity is birthed out of a grateful heart. So what's he saying here? He's saying, listen, if you'll go back and think about the slavery that I brought you out of. See, when they were in slavery, they didn't own anything. They didn't have anything. They didn't have any land. So now they're going into the promised land. How many have been blessed by God? You know, the blessing to me is a little bit of a dangerous place. Like, I love to be blessed, but it's easier, it seems to me, to to pursue God when I got nothing because I'm desperate. But when you get the blessing, it seems like I've been blessed just a little. I got some money in the bank. I got a nice car. I got a nice house. How easy we forget who's the one that gave us all the blessings. And so his point is, listen, you want to be generous? You got to go back. You got to remember that I am the one that brought you out, that it's birthed out of this grateful heart that God, I thank you for where you brought me from. See, generosity, when we remember where we came from, is easy. You hadn't always been rich, hadn't always been blessed, and now we are, and it's so easy for us to forget. So the reminder is, listen, be grateful. Why? Because God wants us to live generous. 
I don't know about you, but I've never forgotten where I came from. And, and I constantly remind myself. I remember the day when I owned a restaurant and a real estate investment company. And my, my brother and I were always entrepreneurs. And I'll never, ever forget the restaurant shut down suddenly. All my employees, it was just this crazy thing that God was doing. Looking back now, that's the very thing that set my path into full-time ministry. But I'll never forget this one day. Well, God, I didn't do anything wrong. I mean, I woke up one day, I go up to the restaurant, I'm locked out. We go into this big litigation and lawsuit. And I'm thinking, God, what did I do? I I didn't do anything wrong. I serve you and I love you. And I'm standing in my office in the house. I'll never forget this day. I've got three jobs because I I have to try to provide. I'm waiting tables. I'm traveling and speaking for Monster.com. And I'm working construction every minute, every day, whatever I can do to provide for my family. And I was working at the Roadhouse, which was so humiliating to me because I owned a restaurant. Now I'm working at a restaurant across the street. I had 10 cents in my pocket. I had no gas. The light was on, but it wasn't just on. How I many know it had been on? How some of you drive, you know what I'm talking about. And I knew this, that there was no way I was going to make it to work. And I'll never forget the moment I looked in my pocket and pulled out two nickels. Ten cents is all I had. And at that moment, I said, God, I'll never, God, I need you. Help me. God, if you'll get me out of this, I'll never forget where you brought me from. God, if you can help me. In my, we had homes that were in foreclosure. We had cars that were being repossessed. And God's great mercy and favor. I made it to work, had gas. But the greater thing is I didn't lose one house. I didn't lose one car. We never filed bankruptcy. But it was back to that moment where I recognized that, God, you are my source. If I got 10 cents in my pocket or if I got $100,000 in my bank account, that, God, you brought me where I am today. So whether it's a little or a lot, that you are my source. And that out of that, when I have, I give. Even when I don't have, I give. Why? Because God is our source. If you're grateful for what you have, then you can be generous with what you give. If you're grateful, God, I'm just so, and I often go back, God, I'm just so thankful, so thankful. God, I'm so thankful for what you've done. Leads me to the last point in closing. It's this. We are entrusted, not entitled. We are entrusted. In a day where entitlements rule and reign, we have to be careful that we don't have an entitlement Christianity. That God, I deserve it. I'm owed it. It's mine. No, 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 no. Listen, we have been entrusted that everything we have, listen, God, I thank you for the air in my lungs. I thank you for the health in my body. I thank you for the mental capacity for me to think. God, I thank you for resources. I thank you for time and realizing that in our life that God has entrusted you with what you have. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, God, why did you entrust it to me? Like if you're entitled Everything you have, you're going to spend on yourself. Why? Because you think you deserve it. You think it's all about me and I I got it. No, no. But when you've been entrusted, I'm a steward. God, your kingdom says I'm not entitled, but I'm entrusted. And so, God, you gave it to me for a reason. Can I enjoy it on myself? Absolutely. Praise God for air condition in our cars and in our houses. Love it. 
But always recognizing this, and this is what I go back. Why did God give you the house? You having a small group there? Have you invited people over? Have you prayed for people? Have you said, hey, you know someone at work is having a hard time. They won't come to the church, but you know if you ask them to come to your house, they might come to your house. So the question is, are you being generous with that resource and saying, hey, come on over? See, they think they're going to have dinner, but they're going to have an encounter with Jesus. It's a different mentality. It's like, no, this ain't for me. It's all about you. So my house, how do I use it for you? My car, when's the last time we picked someone off to come to church? When's the last time we gave somebody a ride? When's the last time we do something? And so for me, as I've been studying, it's like, God, let me never be complacent. I want to go back to the joy of my salvation. That's what David talks about. That God, the salvation that you put inside of me, I'm so thankful. And this gratitude makes us just say, listen, I'm not trying to get something out of your pocket. I'm trying to deposit something in your heart. I mean, I get it. Sometimes you can say, well, what's the catch? There is no catch. There is no catch. You know what the catch is? I'm your pastor. And God has called me to raise up a church full of men and women that get kingdom principles that as we get these principles, we can go be salt and light into the world around us. You can't be salt and light when you look just like the world. God, help us. See, in the judgment, when we go to heaven, not salvation, not eternity, but when we are awarded rewards from God, it's going to be you and God. He's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? I don't know about you, but I want to be rich in heaven. I don't care what this life looks like. I want to have eternal rewards that when we obey God, He rewards us. And I don't really care about this life anymore. I'm not trying to get rich. I'm not trying to get famous. I'm just trying to change the world. I'm trying to say, God, can we leave it differently? God, that in this city, oh, I know, maybe not a lot of people know about Rosenberg and Richmond and all these surrounding areas, but they're going to know. Why? Because there's a church that understands God's principles and the kingdom of heaven. And then I just believe that heaven would kiss earth. That they'd just be, man, what's going on? Well, there's a bunch of crazy Christians. They actually believe the Bible. They actually believe it. Like, you know, I know it's just a book. They believe it's more than a book. That it's the authoritative word of God that from cover to cover, it's absolute truth. And because of that, God's power is evident in this earth.